Genesis chapter 18. We're going to talk about Abraham this morning for Father's Day, right? You're saying that's a strange place to begin. But do you know that Abraham is an incredible character? He is one of the largest characters in the scripture. We find his name mentioned 230 times. He's, in a sense, the central character uh, of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. He's the one that uh, every other verse, Abraham's name is being mentioned in it uh, until you come to the end of the book. Um, But for all that, and the fact that he's the anchor point for Scripture, what did Abraham actually achieve in his life? What did he do in his life? You know, he never built a building. He just kept putting up his tent and taking his tent down. He never actually built a building. Right? Uh, he never built an empire. David and Solomon built a mighty empire. Abraham didn't. He never built an empire. Um, he never led a great revival like Elijah. So what did Abraham actually achieve? What was his legacy to the world when he left? Well, really it was this. He left behind him a boy. Not a boy by this time, a grown man, but one child. He left one child behind him, and God changed the world. God changed the world. And so we look back on Abraham as being the father of faith, but in his lifetime, there was just a child. And you know, what really impresses me about this story is This, that's not the way I judge my life, and it's probably not the way you judge your life. We tend to judge our lives through the things that we make happen and the things we accomplish and, you know, and and the things we get renowned for and the things people recognize us for. We, We tend to judge our lives through them, and you know what? That's not the way to judge your life. You know, some of you this morning are fathers. Some of you are mothers. Some of you will be fathers and mothers at some point in your life. And you know what God says? God says, you know what? What you're going to leave behind you is a family. What you're going to leave behind you is children. The, the imprint or the mark that you're going to place upon the world is going to be through them. And you know what? It's an awesome responsibility. And I don't use the word awesome lately. That's, that's, it really is an incredible responsibility. You know, and... But we have a God that can help us with us, with it just in the same way as he helped Abraham. Abraham was not left to fend for himself. Abraham was given all the help that he would use. And you know what Abraham did? In one way and another, he took the help. And he used it, and he became a great one. Let's read our verse. Genesis 18, verse 19. For I know him. That's Abraham, God saying, I know him, I know Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him. Strong words. And that they shall keep the way of the Lord. So Abraham was going to command his children in such a way that they would keep the way of the Lord. That's, you know what, that was quite something. Uh, By the way, this is God saying it. This is not Abraham, you know, bragging and saying, here's what I'm going to do. This is God saying, I know him. He will command his children so that they keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. And look at the next part of the phrase. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham 
that which he hath spoken of him. Now, we're going to look at that uh, at the end. But do you know that what God spoke of Abraham was that the whole world would be blessed through Abraham? Jesus Christ was going to come through Abraham. And the Lord had... had, But somehow, Abraham's work with his family is tied into the work of blessing that's going to come through Abraham. Now, I want to say, don't put that on him, Lord. That's, That's way too much to put on anybody, Lord. But God doesn't give me a choice. He puts it here. So that's a word of prayer. And then let's begin to look at our scripture and... We'll look at it and, and, and try and glean from it how it can help us. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this people that have come out. And now, Lord, we do ask you, Lord, would you just bless. Settle our hearts now as we look to your scripture, Lord. Uh, Lord, would you take away all the things that might hinder us, Lord? Would you take away the obstacles in people's minds? And Lord, uh, would you remove from us, Lord, anything that would stop us from being all that you can make us to be? Lord, we love you. We want your blessing. We need it. We want your hand upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say this this morning, too. Normally, when it comes to Father's Day or Mother's Day, I I dread it. Here's the reason I dread it, because I'm only speaking to a portion of the church, right? And I always fear what's going to happen, and what often does happen is, uh, the other portion of the church, which will probably be the larger portion, say, oh, that's for them. Uh, I'm going to sleep through this, right? Now, don't do that. Because Abraham is a central character in Scripture, and there's something for all of us in this. I'm going to direct some of it uh, to fathers, but you know what? Uh, others of it, other parts of it are going to be directed to you as well. So, so don't just blank it out. When we look at Abraham, uh, we're looking at somebody that has a lot to say to all of us. Right? <clears throat> so first of all, I want you to see this. God knew Abraham. That's what our verse says. Our, our, our verse says that God knew him. God knew Abraham. Now, um, how did God know Abraham? And by the way, it's interesting. It doesn't say that Abraham knew God. That's that's valid, too, because he did. But that's not what it says. It says that God knew Abraham. That God actually knew him. And we need to understand that. There's an understanding where we can know God, and there's an understanding where God can know us, and we do need to talk about that in a few moments. But how is it that God knew Abraham? How is it that God actually knew this man and could look to this man and say, I know him? Well, Abraham was a man that followed God. In Genesis chapter 11, we have Abraham standing into the, stepping into the pages of Scripture, really unannounced. He just steps into the pages of Scripture, and um, uh, we have him getting a call from God to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Well, now, by now, he's over 70 years old. He's not a spring chicken. He's not a young man. Most of us, when we get to the place where we're 70, you know, we're going to be saying, well, you know what? Uh, The fact that we're 70 now means that, you know, uh, we're we're coasting to the end, and we're just going to relax. We're going to retire or whatever. Now, Abraham's going to live to be 160, so I suppose it definitely couldn't be said of him. But Abraham's life work hasn't even begun at this point. And we really aren't told what happened before that. But you know what? There was a relationship going on between Abraham and God before that. Because when God spoke to him and told him to leave Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham obeyed. He left. He left his home. He left the most civilized place on the planet at that time. And he followed God out to a place where he didn't know where he was going or what was going to happen. He followed God. So obviously there was a relationship between Abraham. uh, And Abraham continues to follow God throughout his life. 
And we see it. He doesn't get it all right. Aren't you, aren't you so glad that the scripture doesn't portray all these people that don't get it all right? Because if it portrayed all these people, that the scripture does portray all these people that don't get it all right. Because if everybody in the scripture got it all right, I'd be depressed. Right? And so would you, wouldn't you? Because you know what? You don't get it all right, dear. And I don't get it all right. Abraham didn't get it all right. But he followed God through his life, and he did gain the reward. Secondly, uh, or thirdly, God built Abraham's faith through testing. Now, here's what happens in this relationship with God. God says, I know Abraham. Well, there was a relationship between them, but it wasn't a relationship that was static. It was a growing thing. We find Abraham being asked to uh, leave or the child. He's on the promise of a child that was going to give him a seed as the sands uh, of, of the sea and the stars of the heaven. But you know, God made him wait 25 years. Isn't that tough? 25 years. Now, that would be tough if Abraham had been 20, waiting until he was 45 for the baby. But you know what? Abraham's over 70. He waits till he's 100 for the baby. Now, why is that? That's because God was building faith. God was building a man. God was working in this man. You know, Uh, now, then, then we find Abraham being asked to offer Isaac, and everything in Abraham's life is bound up in Isaac, and, and he does. And so what you've got is you've got this growing relationship between God and Abraham that's, going, that's moving in. Do you know that's the kind of relationship that God wants with you? You say, well, why would God want a relationship like that? I understand Abraham. Abraham's the father of faith. He's, he's, he's the man when it comes to faith. He's mentioned again and again in, in, in reference to his faith. But why would God want a relationship with me? He does. I'm not sure that we, <clears throat> that we can fathom why exactly God wants relationship with us, but he wants relationship with you. God doesn't, God, and God doesn't want this distant relationship. You know, <clears throat> sometimes we have the idea that God wants a relationship with us where, you know, he's God and he will condescend to let us into his kingdom because, you know what, dirty little sinners that we are, uh, he has condescended to us. No, that's really not what's going on here. The fact that we're sinners is definitely true. The fact that we're enemies, we've made ourselves enemies of God is definitely true, but God wants intimate, close, one-on-one relationship with you and I. I think it's safe to say, scripturally, he longs for it. I think it's safe to say that you give him half a chance and he's going to go much further than you will in this relationship. The Bible says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. God wants a relationship with you. Do you know that? That God wants a relationship with you? Now, you may come this morning and you may say, well, you know what, Pastor? I'm glad God wants a relationship with me, but I have no idea how I'm going to go about that. Today, I feel very far from God. And, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get that right. I don't know how I'd ever come to the place where God would say to me, that he knew Abraham, that he knows me. You know what? You can't. See, if we look at Abraham's life, the first thing we would notice is that in terms of what human beings are supposed to make happen in the world, he didn't make a lot happen. The the, the second thing we would notice is that even what did happen, he didn't actually make happen. Let me explain that to you. The relationship that Abraham had with God, would you say... That Abraham promoted it or God promoted it? God promoted it. God was the one. Abraham was the responder. God was the pursuer. That's always the way it is. Do you know that? 
that God is always the pursuer and, a, and man is always the responder. So do you know what that means to you and I? That means that if we would just want relationship with God, that God will pursue it if we'll respond. If we'll say, yes, Lord, God will pursue it. So if you're here this morning and you're a child of God, you can have that relationship with him. Some stage during the service or at the end of the service, you say, Lord, I want a closer walk with you. And you know what? God will step in and God will begin to work. If you will let him, he will work and he will bring you uh, into a closer relationship with him. You you mean mean like Abraham? I mean, yeah, like Abraham. In fact, you know what? You have something Abraham didn't have. You have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. Abraham didn't have that. You know what? Because you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, you can have a much closer relationship with God. Do you know what? God wants that kind of relationship with you. Now, let me say something else to you. Though. You might be here this morning and you might say, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it sounds very nice, but you know, I don't even know God myself. Now, look at Matthew seven twenty one. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, how have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You know, we've got a lot of people in our world. Got, <clears throat> the Bible says there's basically two kinds of people in the world. There's those that are saved, born again, and there's those that are not. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't actually fall out on lines of how many people are seeking to serve God. Because, you know, you've got a lot of people in the world that are seeking to serve God. They're seeking to do what God would have them do. You've got people doing the strangest things in our day and age because they want to serve God. And if you go and ask them, they will tell you, well, I want to serve God. They may not call them by that name, but they want to serve God. And they're doing the strangest things. They're doing things that we would scratch our heads and we would say, that is ridiculous. How could you be want, How could God want you to do that? But you know, that's what, what they're doing. They're, they're, they're looking to serve God. And all of them And maybe you too would say, well, you know what? I'm doing my best for God. But you know what's interesting about these verses? What's interesting about these verses is that God says he never knew them. Do you know that God wants to know you? How does God get to know you? Well, there's a problem between us and God. There's a problem between mankind and God. It's the same problem for every man that walks on this planet and every woman that walks on this planet. There never has been somebody that didn't have this problem apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Every last one of the rest of us have a problem. And our problem is this. We're sinners. We've gone our own way and done our own thing. And if you're honest, you'll say that. And you might say, well, you know, I'm not as bad as other people. And I understand that. And I hope you're not. That makes you much nicer to live with. But it doesn't make you right with God. You see, sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is me basically doing my own thing in one form or another. And we've all got this problem. And do you know that God, because of our sin, would have every right and would be just in saying to us, forget you. You need to go to hell because I will not have you around me because God hates sin. But do you know, instead of condemning us all to hell as he had a perfect right to what God did was God sent his son and he condemned him in our stead. He took the price. He bore the sin. He took it on him and he paid the price for our sin. And and, and do you know how you come into relationship with God? 
It's when you depend upon what Jesus did. Now, you might come this morning and you might say, I'm not a bad person. And what that indicates is that you're depending on how good you are. But you can never be good enough. The Bible says, be perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And you know what? None of us meet the mark. None of us get there. But God says, my son is perfect. He kept my will always. And if you'll trust him, I will make you my child. The Bible says, to as many as believed on him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to as many as believed on his name. God, if you would trust in his name this morning, he would make you a son of God. He would draw you in. You would become his. You know, <clears throat> being a Baptist won't help you. Being any religion won't help you. The only thing that helps you is that relationship with God. It all starts there. And <clears throat> if you've already done that, understand this. It's a growing relationship. He wants you to grow closer to him. I think he wants us to continue growing until the day we meet with him. But he wants us to keep growing. And he wants us to keep growing in him and trusting in him. But the first place we trust in him is where we realize, I can't. But he paid the price for my sin, and I'm trusting what he did to get me to heaven. And that's the gospel. That's the good news of how somebody can know him, how somebody can come to the place where where they're known of him, where they're in relationship with him, where they can grow in him. And you could do it today. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God just throws it out there. If you will call upon him, he will save you. Understand, you're a sinner. Jesus is a savior. You need that savior, and you cry out to him, and you ask him to do the saving that you can't do. And you know what? He saves. He does that work. Second point I want you to see from our text, though, is that Abraham led his family. He will command his family. Now, we're not very comfortable with the word command there, are we? Because in our day and age, you know what? We want fathers uh, in our homes who are friends to the family and put their arm around them and are nice to them and don't ever make themselves uh, better than the family. But do you know that's not possible? It's not possible for you as a dad uh, to parent your family unless you're going to command them. You see, when your children come into your home, they are not good kids that will only go wrong if you mess them up, like we believed when we first began to have children. No, no, no. The Bible says that your children come into your home and and, uh, that that, that foolishness is bound in their hearts and the rod of correction shall drive it far from them. And I'll tell you, you can prove this to yourself. Sometimes you can prove the truth of the Scripture just from life. You take a child, you give that child no parental guidance, no controls, and let them do whatever they want, they will ultimately destroy themselves. Proven again and again. They will ruin themselves. Because you know what? Children need boundaries. Loving parents put boundaries in for their children. They command their children. Now understand this. God said, for I know Abraham that he will command his children to do the way of the Lord so that I can bless him. But Abraham was going to come out. Look at Ephesians 6, 4, New Testament truth. And it says, New fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Aren't we sometimes inclined to provoke them to wrath? How would you provoke them to wrath? Annoy them, irritate them, set rules they can't keep, get frustrated with them, get angry with them. Don't teach them, don't train them, don't lay out rules for them. And you're going to provoke your kids to wrath. And ultimately, you will reap the wrath. And that's a sorry and sad thing in your home when you're reaping the wrath of your kids. He says, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, you're supposed to teach your kids about God. You're supposed to train them in the ways of God. 
You're supposed to teach them the right way to go. You're supposed to train them. You're supposed to train them to walk with God in a relationship like Abraham did, had. You're supposed to teach them and train them. He said, I can't do that. Listen, you can't make your kids ultimately choose God, but you can train them. You can teach them. You can lead them in the right direction. You can show them the right way. You can command uh, them when they're little. And you know what? You're going to find that if you actually do a good job on doing that, they're going to have a hard time stepping away from that. They're going to have a hard time finding a better way because there is no better way. <clears throat> but if you, if you will teach them, but you've got to command them. Now, leading, leadership is work. That's what we don't like about it. It's work. You know, the leader's got to get up in the morning and be ahead of the family and think, okay, now, where do I need to lead them? There's no point in you getting up and asking everybody, well, where do we need to go today? When it comes to spiritually speaking, if you're going to lead, you're going to have to be ahead of the family. You're going to have to be walking with God. But you're going to have to lead. You're going to have, and it's work. Uh, leadership is lonely sometimes because sometimes you're going to have to make decisions. You're going to hear from God. And you're going to have to make decisions in your families. And you know what? Everybody's not going to say, hey, great, Dad. That's just wonderful. That's fantastic. We're so pleased about that. Now, some decisions you make are going to be good, aren't they? You tell them we're all going for ice cream, and you know what? They're going to think you're great, Dad. Uh, they're going to think you're wonderful. But, <clears throat> you know, you're going to make some decisions like, you know, where you're not going to spend time with that friend. And they are not going to think you're nice. In fact, they are probably going to have some strong words to say to you in reaction to the decision you made. That's the way life goes, though. If you're going to be a good father, a good parent, you're going to have to command them. And sometimes it's going to be lonely. Let me say this. I said it in Sunday school. Let me say it to you again. You know, all of us want our children to be our friends. And that's, that, 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 that's good. But, you know, your children can't be your friends when they're children. If you do a right job on commanding them when they're children, you know what? They will be your friends when they're older. But if you miss out on their childhood, they won't be your friends. They'll have an extra grind against you forever. You know, <clears throat> but uh, if you get it right, they will be your friends, and you will, you, you will make good friends of your children uh, later in life. <clears throat> Leadership is powerful. Sometimes we don't think it is. Sometimes, well, I'm dad. What can I do? I mean, everything is against me. And, the, you know, everything, everything that's portrayed in the, in the newspapers is bad about dad. And everything the TV says about dad is he's some kind of a, an idiot and some kind of a halfwit. And, you know, how can I do anything? Well, no. You see, here's the thing. God gave you a name, right? And your children call you father. And we call it today Father's Day. Now, why did God give you a name like that? Because you stand in his place. And he backs it up. And when you exercise the authority of Father, you can expect God to back it up. You can expect God to be there too. You can, you can depend upon him uh, to be the Father. Uh, and, you know, there, there's power, there's authority, and there's power that comes with this idea of being a father. Leadership brings power. Uh, but a leader has to hear from God. He, he has to hear from God. You know... One of the things that will make your family most secure, dads, is they know you're hearing from God. You know, that, that will make them secure because, you know, reasonably, your kids and your wife may have a hard time trusting you because, you know, what you're a fallible man. But when they know you're walking with God and you're hearing from God, that's going to breathe trust into your family. 
there's probably nothing more important for you in your family than that your family know you're hearing from God. Dad walks with God. You know, you can, he's, he's having his devotions. He's spending time with God. You know, it's on his heart. It's evident in his life. It's evident in what he says. That, that's hearing from God. That's really important. That's going to breathe such security and such <clears throat> care into your home. And that, then a leader has to demonstrate how to walk with God. You have to live your life in such a way that your kids look at it and they follow you. Have you noticed that they follow you? There's a really uh, cute story told about Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee <clears throat> was one of the Civil War. Uh, he was on the so- side of the South. He was one of the Civil War um, <clears throat> generals. And he's probably one of the greatest military men uh, of all time. <clears throat> uh, he, he, he was loved by his soldiers. He was feared and respected by his enemies. He was even loved by the slaves that, 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 that he had. I mean, they, they, they actually loved him. He, he was so well loved that Abraham Lincoln, the president, asked him if he would lead the Union Army because he, <clears throat> he had uh, this ability to pull it all together and this, the, the, the respect of all the men. Well, <clears throat> he tells a story that one winter's morning, he left his home to go for a short walk after it snowed. Everywhere was crisp and white. You know when it's crisp and white and the snow has just fallen and it's unmarked and uh, you just step out into this virgin world of white snow. Well, he stepped out into that world of snow and, and he's walking along enjoying the beauty of it all. And he hears something behind him. And so he turns to see his young son stepping from one step to another step in exactly the places where dad had stood. Right? Legs are not big enough, but he's working really hard at it, and he's following in dad's footsteps. Right? Later on, he told the story to a friend, and he said, <clears throat> it behooves me to walk very straight when this little fellow is already uh, following in my tracks. And you know what? Here you have a great man, but you know what? The greatness of this man was no greater than he was in his home. He needed to walk very straight. For you know, fathers, we need to walk with God. We have little ones watching us. We need to walk with God because <clears throat> it's important. Because they're following in our tracks. Now, they'll come to a place where they want more than just what you're saying. They want to see it real. And it needs to be real for you. Or they're going to react to you. And because you bear the name Father, which is the name of God, they'll react to God as well. And that's a very hard day. That's a tough day in your life and a tough day in their lives. Number three, though, Abraham's family would walk with God. They shall keep the way of the Lord. Now, God knew Abraham that he would command his family in such a way that his family would walk in the way of the Lord. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, we're supposed to put something into them so that when they're old, they can't get away from it. And you know you see that again and again in children. Listen, every, every, every father in this room, everybody in this room is fallible. We get it wrong. Nobody gets it all right. There are no perfect homes, and there are no homes where it's all just happened the way it should happen. But you know, when you take time to train up a child in the way he should go, what you do is you plant a seed in the child. You plant something in them 
that they have a very hard time getting away from. You plant something in them that though they may rebel, though they may react, though they may go their own way, what happens is eventually they come back to it. Probably Ireland's most famous preacher is Willie Mullen. He he, um, preached up north. Willie Mullen was raised in a family of 16, and he was the youngest boy. And Willie Mullen's mother would pray over all her sons, and Willie, who was the littlest, she would pray, and God make Willie a preacher. Well, Mom died long before Willie was old enough to be a preacher. And what happened was Willie took to the bottle, and he began to live rough, and he became part of a gang, and he did robberies and did all kinds of things that really ruined his life. Until one day in a field, planning a job, God arrested Willie Mullen. And Willie Mullen became a preacher. He became a preacher of righteousness and a powerful one. I mean, we all sing the, sing the song, uh, Amazing Grace. Do you, do, do you realize that Isaac uh, Newton, the man that, the man that wrote that song, uh, was a wicked man? But he had a praying mother. And one day at a storm in, sea, in a storm at sea, he got right with God. He turned to God and got saved, and God changed his life. Listen, parents, don't ever give up on your kids. While you've got breath and they've got breath, you pray. You've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. Admit your mistakes, but you pray. Because you know what? The Bible gives you a promise. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Lord, I didn't get it all right, but Lord, would you turn him around? God can do great things. God can take and change your family, no matter how far gone it is. God can take and do it, because <clears throat> there's a promise there. Um, <clears throat> and you need to look to God for that promise. Then number four, the Lord was able to bless Abraham, his family, and the world, because he was the right kind of father. Now, hang on a minute. Am I, am I kind of overstretching it? God was able to bless Abraham, his family, and the world, because he was the right kind of father. Let me read you the verse, uh, verse 19 again, Genesis 18, 19. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham all that which he hath spoken of him. Now let's look at all that which he hath spoken of him here. <clears throat> Genesis twenty-two seventeen says, That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heavens. You know, <clears throat> Abraham left one son and Ishmael and a few other sons that really don't come up much in Scripture, right? But do you know that through Isaac, what God did was God gave him a seed as the stars of the heaven. He couldn't number them. Abraham's seed would become an empire ruling the known world under King David and under Solomon. Abraham's long gone by this point. You know, God kept his promise. God made him a promise, and God kept his promise. Um, <clears throat> and that thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. You know what? Nobody could stand against Israel at one point. And if they had continued to walk with God, nobody would ever have been able to stand with them. Um, but look at the next verse, verse 18. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Do you know that's talking about Jesus Christ? All the nations of the earth were blessed through Abraham. Abraham, you can, you can take the, the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ and you can follow it all the way back to Abraham. And that we have salvation today because of Abraham. Now, 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 why? 
The verse says because he was the right kind of father. You discouraged about your fatherhood? Are you thinking, you know what, I can't do this, and it doesn't matter, and they don't listen to me, and it's no account, and all the rest? You're wrong. You see, your fatherhood is not based upon who you are. You being the right kind of parent is not, it's not based upon, you know, well, I'm, I, I'm a great guy, because you're not. None of us are. Your fatherhood is based upon the fact that you bear the name of God. That you are the little father underneath the big father. And do you know what? Because you have him backing you up, you can be the right kind of father. And you may leave this world and you may never build anything great. You may never run a big business. You may be forgotten after two weeks when they bury you. But you know what? If you'll be the right kind of father, if you will trust God and walk with him, and let him <clears throat> enable you to be the right kind of father. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have a powerful impact on your world. A powerful impact. Don't miss it. You see, isn't it easy for us to miss the great opportunities that are under our feet? Isn't it so easy? Remember the story of the guy who sold his farm because he wanted to make a fortune. And he searched the world looking for diamonds and died a pauper. But the guy who bought his farm on it off him discovered oil on it. And he made a fortune. But you know what? We can do that too. We can miss what's under our feet. We can say, you know what? This doesn't matter. I can't do this. I give up and let it go. And we can miss what would be the greatest blessing to us. Dad, God has given you an awesome responsibility. But he is an awesome God. And his power is more than sufficient for you to be the man that you should be and for you to raise a family like you should. And he will reward you greatly if you will give your heart to it. Remember, he doesn't expect perfection. He doesn't expect you to know all the answers. He says, walk with me, son. I'll help you. I will enable you. And if you will but walk with him, you will find in your life a stream of blessing that you can't account for. Just walk with him. <clears throat> so let me ask you the questions this morning and <clears throat> put fathers aside for a second. Are you walking with God today? Are you walking with God? Man, woman, child, are you walking with God? If you're walking with God, your impact on your world will be huge. And, and, and if you're not, and you're a believer, why not? What is it that's standing between you and him? What is it that's worth letting stay there? Won't you just clear it out of the way? Say, Lord, take it away. And he will. And walk with him. You're here this morning. <clears throat> and you know what? You don't know him. Oh, yeah, you can look at your life and you can say, yeah, well, I've done this and that and I've done the other. Forgotten. But you really don't know him. You're not sure. You, you couldn't have. If somebody were to, uh, were to say to you, you're going to heaven when you die, you'd say, well, well, I hope so. But you don't know because you don't know God. You know he wants to know you today. And if you will come to him and trust him as your Savior, if you will come to him, say, Lord, I'm a sinner. 
Jesus Christ died to pay the price of my sins, and I'm calling on you to save me based on that. Do you know he will do it? It never fails. He will do it. You just let him have his way. Let him lead and guide in your life, and he will do it. And he will lead you then into that relationship that you can have with him. Listen, he has given us an awesome responsibility, but he is a great and awesome God, and he will take care of us and protect us if we will just let him. That's time for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless this people this morning, Lord? Lord, for the father here who's struggling with the weight of the responsibility, may he learn that he can shed the weight if he just walks with you. For that one, Lord, that doesn't know you, Lord, oh, Lord, may today be the day when they yield to you and let you save them. And Lord, for that person here, Lord, that knows you but is not walking with you, blessed Spirit of the living God, uh, would you enable them to put whatever it is that's holding them back aside and to learn to walk with you and to enjoy your presence and your power in Jesus' precious name. Amen.